listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. But I'm pumped up and ready to go. I hope you're ready to have your faith built. And uh, there's some things I want to show you from the Word of God that were stirring me up today, literally, as I was studying, praying for you. Let me just say this to you once again, for everybody that's watching. Everything is going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. I don't know if you saw the news, and I'm not doing these broadcasts by any means to give you any statistics or news, but it is good news to hear. Uh, Even Dave Ramsey posted something this morning on his website uh, that all of those hospitals that they've had to uh, build in the quickness in the Wuhan district of China have shut down because there's not enough cases uh, to justify keeping them open. Uh, They're beginning to be able to treat people even in the natural realm. So let me just tell you something. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be all right. The Lord's protecting you. He's watching over you. Uh, We even got the chance today to talk to, we had a contractor over at the house today and uh, it was so great to meet him, but we even got to talk to him about the Lord today and talk about the fact that Jesus Christ is watching out for us. There's nothing to fear. You have a shepherd who's leading you, guiding you, watching over you. Everything's going to be all right. There's no reason for you to panic. There's no reason for you to worry. What you should do, casting all of your cares upon him, that is God, for he cares for you. Do not allow yourself to be discouraged, afraid, panicked. Take heart knowing and stay in faith, stay in rest. I don't know if you know this, but faith brings rest. There's a rest in faith. And so you shouldn't be worried. You should be rested, peaceful. You should feel different than those who don't have a redeemer, knowing that God's watching out and working things out on your behalf. So don't be discouraged. And tonight I want to talk about, so I don't really have a whole lot of, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of, uh, uh, announcements in the, in these night sessions. Cause I really feel it. I want to get right into what I have for you by the word of God and in the spirit of God. So, um, if you have your Bible, I want you to take out your Bible and, uh, I encourage you, if you haven't been bringing your Bible to these sessions, I want you to bring your Bible and I want you to bring a highlighter, a pen and a notebook, and I want you to take notes and, uh, and get this, uh, from the Holy spirit. Hey, there's my friend, Stephanie, all the way up in Shelby township. Love you. Good to see you on tonight, Bonnie. Good to see you. Um, and, and I want to, I want you to do this because God has a plan to bless you. He has a plan to bless your family, has a plan to touch your body, has a plan to touch your finances. Do not allow yourself to be troubled to be in fear. No, God's taking care of you. So I'm giving you these scriptures. I'm giving you these teachings to uh, literally build you up. And that's what the Bible says. It says that God's word has the ability to build you up. There's my father giving me some encouragement and compliments, telling me I look good. Thanks, dad. I appreciate that. And um, so I want, we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray. And then I want us to go in the word of God. And I'm going to start with Acts chapter 20. And so if you're turning there, you can go ahead and begin to turn Acts chapter 20. And then we're going to, we're going to get into this, but let's pray first and ask God to touch every one of us tonight, open the eyes of our understanding, strengthen our faith, and let us receive an impartation of faith by the power of his spirit. Father, in Jesus name, I pray for every man, every woman that's watching the broadcast tonight. Maybe they're 
watching the replay. Maybe they're listening on the podcast. Lord, I pray that you touch them by the power of your spirit. Let the spirit of faith go out through this broadcast tonight and touch every person that's listening. No matter where in the world they are, we know that your spirit, your anointing knows no boundaries and has no limitations. So touch them where they are, Lord, by the power of your spirit. We thank you. And we give you glory and praise for what you're doing around the world. You are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, thank you for every miracle you've performed this year. Thank you for the bodies that you've healed this year. Thank you for those you've delivered from anxiety and depression. Thank you for those that you've blessed financially. We thank you, Lord. You are alone. Get all the honor and glory for these things because you're the only true and living God. You're the only one who has the ability to move and to touch your children. So we thank you and we give you glory. Now let every person who hears tonight uh, understand and receive what the Spirit is saying in Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, in your Bible, I'm gonna read you one verse of scripture in Acts 20. I want you to be there with me and then we're gonna go to Romans 1. Acts chapter 20, we're talking about the Spirit of faith. These All these sessions dealing with the Spirit of faith. Tonight, we're talking about the DNA of faith and the DNA of breakthrough. It's really the same thing. Faith brings you breakthrough. But I want to show you something that the Apostle Paul said when he was uh, speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. And um, the verse that I want to read to you is the 32nd verse, Acts 20, 32. And if Billion is on, I can expect some great notes on this broadcast on, on YouTube tonight. Acts 20 and... Uh, Verse 32, listen to what Paul said. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That's number one and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. And so Paul is teaching here that the word of God has the ability to number one, build you up, which is why I'm coming on here every single night at 7 p.m. and preaching and teaching the word of God to you. Because what my uh, goal is, what my desire is, is to build you up, to stir your faith, to strengthen you, and to impart this spirit of faith into you so that you'll go up to another level by the power of God. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying the word of God is able to build you up, number one, and to give you an inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. So there is an inheritance to be had from the spirit of God that you can literally manifest in this life before you get to heaven, before your eternal home, you can operate in a spirit of faith. And so... I want you to see this with me. Paul is teaching them here that you have the ability to receive an impartation of faith from the word of God. And that's the point. That's the whole point of these broadcasts. There is an impartation of faith to be had that when you get it, when you receive it, it will take you to another level. Now, I want you to turn to Romans chapter one, and I want you to see this with me. Once again, it's Paul who is writing. And Paul is writing to uh, this church in Rome and saying to them something very interesting. I want you to see it. The 11th verse of Romans 1. 
The Bible says, and he's saying to them, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that will strengthen you and establish you. So Paul is saying that if I come, I have the ability to impart to you spiritual gifts that will strengthen and establish you. The same thing he's saying about the word of God to the Ephesian elders, when you receive the word of God, it allows you to be built up in faith, stirred up, strengthened, and give you your inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. And so one of the things that I want you to see is that there is a DNA, if you will, of faith. There is a DNA of faith. It is passed down by the power of impartation. It is passed down by the power of impartation. One imparts to another. In fact, the Bible teaches that the greater imparts to the lesser. That's a principle that we've got to learn. There's always going to be somebody who has a greater level of faith, manifestation, power, anointing than you do that has the ability to deliver spiritual gifts to you, impart to you, and you can receive from what they have. But it's important to realize that the greater always imparts to the lesser. Let me just say it this way. There's some people I don't want them laying hands on me. To be very plain about it, there are some people out there, and include I'm talking about preachers too, that I don't want them laying hands on me because I, I recognize and understand that impartation is real. It's real. And I want to receive impartation from somebody that's doing greater things, that has greater faith, that's seeing greater manifestations, not somebody that can't even put their pants on straight. <laughs> I was, I'll get to tell you a story. I was preaching one time up in New England and uh, we were, I was at a, a church that we had to rent this church because the church I was speaking at, uh, the, the, they didn't have a big enough place for all the people that were coming. And so, and so we rented a Nazarene church. And so we were in their sanctuary every night and the pastor didn't mind at all uh, that we, what, you know, whatever our doctrine was or that we were Pentecostal, that we were praying in tongues, whatever. And uh, not only that, he attended the meetings every single night, the pastor did, of the Nazarene church, although he was not the host pastor. And so I was preaching. We saw people delivered. One night, think about this, one night, and this was when that opioid crisis really started hammering the East Coast, and we had a, a young lady come in one night, totally strung out on heroin. I mean, completely strung out on heroin. And I called her out, laid hands on her, power of God, hit that girl, She went out in the Holy Ghost and received the power of God. The next night, she came back to the service, completely changed and gave her testimony. You know what she said? She said, I'd been doing heroin every single day. And she listed for how long she'd been doing. It was months and months and months. She said, I've been doing heroin every single day for however many months. She said, after God touched me last night, I woke up this morning. She said, not only did I not do heroin today, she said, I didn't even have the desire to do heroin today. In one moment in the presence of God, that addiction was broken by the power of the Holy Spirit and she was set free. I want you to think about that for a second. What they're trying to do in rehab centers, what they're trying to do, giving you drugs prescribed by the government, the Holy Spirit did in one moment in his presence. 
one moment. It helps us to really understand, doesn't it, why, why David or the psalmist said in Psalm 84 and verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. Why? Love you, Kemba. Why, why did the psalmist say better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else? Because God can do for you in one day what a surgeon can't do in a thousand days, what a psychologist can't do in a thousand days, what a lawyer can't do in a thousand days. Better is one day in the courts of God than a thousand days anywhere else. And so you begin to realize the anointing is what makes the difference. Well, that was a powerful meeting. We had people healed. We had people saved, delivered, as you, as you just heard. And so I know the pastor was stirred up. And I don't, the, the, the Nazarene pastor, I don't know that, I don't know that he'd seen anything quite like that before. And so he's, you know, he was in there every night, bare feet. I don't, I don't know what he was doing. And so at the end of the, at the end of the week of revival, I'm packing up my car in the parking lot. And here he comes, you know, he's all stirred up. He comes over to me. Well, first of all, he wasn't even filled with the Holy Spirit, let alone seeing signs, wonders, miracles. You know, he, he didn't even believe in that stuff before he came to the meetings. And so he comes over to the car. He said, oh, brother Ted, I appreciated that revival. Man, that was, I was, and he was there. He truly was there every night. He was more faithful than some of the people that were Pentecostal. He said, oh, I, I appreciated that. What Man, that was a great week. He said, you know, at, before you leave, brother Ted, he said, before you leave, he said, I would just love to lay hands on you and pray for you. And I looked at him. I said, why? And he kind of like was, ta- he was kind of taken back. He kind of stepped back and looked at me like, what in the world? He's probably never had anybody ask him that. He, he kind of take a, took a step back and thought, what, why would you ask me that? I, I said, why, why do you want to lay hands on me and pray for me? And then in, in his silence, I helped him out. I said, let me, let me say, say something, brother. I said, in the Bible, I said, there's very specific reasons to lay hands on someone. I said, in the Bible, they didn't lay hands on people, but for a few reasons. Number one, they laid hands on people to heal them. I said, number two, they laid hands on people to get them filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Ghost. I said, number three, they laid hands on people to bless them. Jesus did that. And I said, number four, they laid hands on people to separate them into ministry. I said, well, I said, number one, I'm not sick. I don't need healing. I said, number two, I'm already filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, number three, I'm already in the ministry. And number four, I'm more blessed than you are. I said, so what do you need to lay hands on me for? And then he, you know, he kind of laughed and I laughed. I said, no, I, I would appreciate if you just, I said, pray for me. If you're going to pray for our ministry, I said, pray for me from home, brother. Keep me in prayer. Pray God strengthens me. Uh, but I, I made, I made it known, you know, I don't, I don't need you to lay hands on me. If I'm going to have somebody lay hands on me, I want it to be somebody that's doing more than what I'm doing. I want, <laughs> I want it to be somebody that's operating at a higher level, not a lower level. Why, why would I say that? You know, why, why would I make that? Why would I be so hardcore on that point? Well, number one, I believe in impartation. And number two, it's a biblical principle. First of all, the Bible says, don't lay hands on any man suddenly. You're not supposed to be just running around laying hands on body, everybody. You're to be doing it in order. But I want you to see something uh, very interesting that when you <laughs> that when you study this principle in the word, it's actually scriptural 
that you can't, if you're a lesser and, and listen, God's kingdom is not a socialist government. It's not equal distribution of wealth. Everybody's not at the same level. So you have to understand that it's not wrong to recognize that people are at different levels. It's not wrong to recognize that. I mean, I could point out people that, you know, we follow right now, you know, first of all, look at my father. I'm not at the same level as my father. You you point out others, you know, that we have Kenneth Copeland. I'm not at the same level as Kenneth Copeland, Uh, pastor Adeboye, Bishop Oyedepo. I'm not at the same level that they are. There, it's not wrong to recognize that there are people at different levels in the body of Christ. You know, I remember I was preaching like this one time and I said, I'm believing that God's going to bless you to such a degree that he'll lift you head and shoulders above the rest. And then I had some knucklehead in the comments write to me, well, brother, I hope you don't mean that God's going to lift me head and shoulders against uh, above my brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, whether you like it or not, there are going to be people in the kingdom that are head and shoulders above the rest. You know why? Because of their obedience factor and because of their faith factor. Not everybody's going to dedicate themselves at the same level that someone else might. So don't get mad when someone who has dedicated themselves to another level goes higher than someone who refuses to dedicate themselves. You know, if there's people that are constantly praying and fasting and studying and giving and being faithful to the house of God, how can you get upset when God lifts them up and somebody else who refuses to pray, refuses to fast, refuses to study the word, refuses to tithe, refuses to give, refuses to be faithful to church? How can you be upset when one goes higher and the other one stays at the same level? Of course, there's going to be differences of, of levels of blessing in the body of Christ. Of course, there's going to be. And in Hebrews chapter seven, this is where that principle comes from. Uh, the Bible says this, uh, verse four, see how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch gave a 10th of the spoils talking about Melchizedek and those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people that is from their brothers. These are, uh, though these are also descended from Abraham. But this man, verse six, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, hold on, stop right there. This all, I'm not going to preach on this because I could go on this for an hour, but doesn't it seem interesting to you that Abraham was God's man on the earth? He was his covenant man on the earth. Then you got this guy that comes out of nowhere, Melchizedek. The Bible says he has no beginning and he has no end in the, uh, you know, just like Christ. It's comparing him to Christ in Hebrews. And somehow this priest comes out of nowhere and is able to bless the man who had the promises of God and blesses him. And then look what the Bible says, verse seven, Hebrews seven, seven. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. You see that? So Melchizedek, according to scripture, was greater than Abraham. If he wasn't greater than Abraham, then he would not have had the authority or the ability to bless Abraham. How can you bless somebody who's already at a greater level than you are? You don't have the capacity to do it. 
You don't have the capacity. I mean, just think about, from. I mean, this is an extreme example, but think about it from a financial case. How can a homeless person on the streets of New York City bless me? I'm already far more blessed than they are. And this is what happens in the spirit realm. You've got people running around trying to quote unquote impart to others who are at a lower level than the other people are. The Bible is clear. The superior bless the inferior. There's certain people I don't want them laying hands on me. However, there are other people that I would travel thousands of miles just to have them lay their hands on me. Think about that. There's some people, if they were in the same room, I wouldn't want them laying hands on me. And then there's others that I would spend my own money, buy plane tickets, buy hotel rooms, rent a car, pay for the food, pay for the gas to go and have those people lay hands on me. And I've done it before and I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I remember the first time uh, that I ever had uh, Bishop David Oyedepo lay hands on me. I mean, it was... I made the effort to leave wherever I was and travel to where he was going to be, attend his meetings faithfully, and was able to get where he was in the green room. And I didn't sit around and tell him everything that I'm doing in my ministry. You know, can you imagine, for those of you who don't know who Bishop David Oyedepo is, pastors the largest church in the world, church building, 400,000 on Sunday morning, probably more by now. 55,000 in the auditorium, 40,000 more in tents outside, five or six Sunday morning services. So here's a man pastoring one of the largest church groups in the world, you know, holding, I mean, just powerful man of God. I didn't, I didn't strut into the green room, you know, in my little suit and tie and say, God bless you, brother Dave. You know, I would just wonder, and I would love to, before we leave this meeting you held tonight, and by the way, I thought you did a good job. But uh, before we leave, I just wanted to come back here and play, pray a blessing over you. And then have everybody, could we just gather around and lay our hands on Brother Dave? Like, can you imagine how stupid I would be to do something like that? Absolutely stupid. And there's people that do it. Let's all just gather around the pastor and lay our hands. Oh, Lord. And then, you know, completely oblivious to how spiritual authority and impartation works. Amen. Love you, brother Dave. You know, like total disrespect. No, let me tell you what I did. People, you know, people can mock me uh, if they wanted to or make fun of me, you know, thinking I'm over the top. I don't really care. Be honest with you. I don't, I don't care. Uh, I went right into that green room. I didn't even stop to chat with him. Small talk. How you been doing? Like I, he doesn't know me. He doesn't care to tell me how he's been doing. He's been, he's, let me tell you how he's been doing. He's been doing great. He's been overcoming. He's been in victory. I don't have to ask how things been going, brother Dave. You know, like, what's the point of having small talk? How things going? You having a good time in America? Have you seen any of the sites? Did you see the Statue of Liberty? It's like, what are you going to talk about? I went into that green room and immediately knelt down on my knees and asked he and his wife to lay hands on me. And they both did very graciously came over to where I was kneeling and, and laid hands on my head. But let me tell you, he didn't lay hands on my head. He grabbed my head like Michael Jordan palming a basketball. I mean, he like, he gripped, he gripped that thing. And I mean, commanded the blessing, commanded the blessing. 
So, you know, you have to understand, I wasn't running in there trying to tell him everything I knew and trying to lay my hands on him. I was the lesser, the inferior, and he was the superior. You understand how that works? He's the superior. I'm the inferior. I'm the one who is to receive impartation from the superior. And so that that needs to be understood because there's not only are there so many people today, and by the way, if you didn't get a chance to share this, it needs to be shared, needs to be, somebody needs to share the heck out of this broadcast because we live in a generation that disrespects every single opportunity they have to show honor every time. They show disrespect. You know, you know what our, you know what our uh, motto is in this generation? Well, I'll respect them when they respect me. That the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. The Bible actually teaches there are people that are due honor, whether you want to give it or not. doesn't matter if you want to give it or not. If they're due honor, if they are the superior, you give honor to whom honor is due. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll show them honor when they honor me. I'll respect you and you respect. No, that's not how it works. You give honor to whom honor is due. And that's how you get blessed. That's how you get blessed. Paul said, I long to be with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be strengthened and established. And so there is a spirit of faith. There's a DNA of faith. And if you're going to receive it, let me just tell you what this is about tonight. If you're going to receive a DNA of faith, an impartation of faith, then one of the things that you've got to understand is you've got to be connected to leaders of faith. And you can't mock those that operate in the power of God and faith and think you're going to receive from them. You have to be connected. Do you know how foolish it is? I hear people say this, you know, uh, we can have revivals or, you know, somebody could come through town and people will literally come. And we've even our pastor here has had people say it. Well, pastor, we just came to the service tonight because we heard you were having a special healing meeting. You know, I need a miracle. And uh, we were healed at your church here before. Now we don't go here. We go across town to this, this church that send the list, some like Baptist church or that something doesn't even believe in healing. I asked the question. Why are you going to a church that doesn't even believe in the power of God? You come, you come here when you need a miracle, then you go back to the, the faithless church that doesn't, that won't even practice it. It's like, why are you going there? You know, the, the, the question, why are you, why do you keep going to these kinds of places where you're not connected to someone with a spirit of faith? And then people wonder, why do I struggle? Why do I struggle? I can't understand why I'm going from crisis to crisis. And they keep staying connected to people that have no faith manifested in their life and ministry. It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. If you want power, connect to power. You can't, let me give you an example. Just, I mean, this is extremely, extremely simplified, but you'll know what I mean. If you want power, connect to power. You know, I just, I just bought a, um, you can see the side of my head is nice and right to the skin. I just bought a new shaver, electric shaver, uh, that, that came from Amazon today. And, uh, I could take that out and, and say, and sit there and just look at it in my hand with the plug and then just keep flipping the power switch. Say, this thing doesn't work. I don't understand why. Doesn't work. Well, you got to plug it into the wall. 
If you don't plug it into the wall, don't say that this doesn't work. Just understand it's not connected to any power. Well, I guess healing doesn't work because I go to church and I never got healed. Well, what kind of church are you going to? Is it plugged into power? Are you connected to any uh, ministry gifts that have power? It is a it is an impartation of the spirit of faith, the DNA of faith. It's the DNA of faith. Let me let me show you something that Paul wrote to Timothy. Go go with me to the to Second uh, Timothy. I want you to turn in your Bible with me. I want you to write that. Every person that's watching, put it in the comment section tonight. I must be connected to power. I must be connected to power. I want you to put it in the comments wherever you're watching from. I must be connected to power. I'm seeing people. I moved to be closer to my church. Luenda, uh, that's my friend, Pastor Nathan Miller. He's on fire. He's got power. There's people that have moved. I encourage people to move. If you're not in a place where there is power, then you need to connect to a place that has power. And if it means moving, move. Because there's nothing more important than being in the presence of God and in a place where you can see the power of God move. That's it. Pop it in the comments. I must be connected to power. If you want a spirit of faith, you've got to connect yourself to someone who has a spirit of faith. Amen. I mean, can you imagine how much faith do you think it would build? I mean, be honest with me. I mean, the reason I'm coming on here at seven o'clock each night is to build your faith and and do everything the Lord has empowered me to do to stir your faith up and to take you to the next level uh, by encouragement, by impartation. But can you imagine if I came on here? Can you imagine if I came on here? And there's, there's my nephew, Alex. Love you, buddy. If, can you imagine if I came on here? It's like, well, everybody, I just wanted to give you an update. You know, the government's telling us we should shut everything down. You know, you just got to be very careful because, you know, I'm, I'm even worried that I myself may catch this virus. And um, just, I want you all to just believe with me. Let's all not catch I mean, You know, I, I know that I'm very well open to that. I'm just only human. Amen. And, you know, um, I, I can't promise you that I'll be on tomorrow night because uh, very well between now and then I may catch this virus, you know, and so... We just have to use wisdom and we just have to know that, you know, anybody is susceptible to these things. If I came on here and that's the kind of broadcast I did, first of all, it would be ridiculous. And second of all, nobody would log on to watch it because it is not a spirit of faith. It won't build your faith and you'll be able to feel by the spirit that this is not faith. This is not the word of God. How do I believe? I believe in the same way that I wrote this book, Blood on the Door the protective power of covenant. That's how I believe. If you want to know how I believe about the protection of God, then just read that book and you'll see that I don't believe like everyone else does, that I can just, uh, you know, catch anything that's coming down the street. I don't believe that I can catch anything coming down the street. I don't believe that I'm just open to every attack of the devil. I don't believe that. And I show you for 224 pages from the word of God why I don't believe that. And it's not something new and it's not some revelation I came up with. It's the mighty word of God. It's the mighty word of God. So I'm not going to get on here and talk about how powerful a virus is or how, how powerful attacks from the devil are. When I know that the Bible has said, Christ said, all power is given unto me. And then said to you, I give unto you all power. Now, I don't know if you understand literalism, but all means all. He wasn't, you know... 
he was Jesus was not somehow giving you uh, figuratively all power. I don't even know what that means. I'm figuratively giving. No, all power has been given unto you. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been given authority by the power of God, and you've been given access to the word of God and the name of Jesus. I don't know how much more you need in your arsenal to understand that you have overcoming ability over every attack of the enemy. You're not going to read that Brother Shuttlesworth caught the coronavirus and he's, you're not going to hear it. You're not going to read that some demon slapped me in the face because it's been living in my house and I can't seem to eject it. I can't seem to get it exercised out of my house and we have a haunted house. You know, it's just paranormal activity up in this house. And, you know, that's just how it goes. The demon drugged me down the hallway the other night, locked me in the closet. Carolyn had to come and get me out. No, you're not going to hear it. You can operate in strength and power in the Holy Ghost and overcome. The Bible says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. In fact, it'd be worth it to turn there again. 1 Corinthians 15.57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've got the victory. You've got the victory. The greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. The world's not greater than what's in me. I'm greater than what's in it. You know what you got to think about? Let me give you an analogy. Let me give you an analogy to think about this. Have you ever sat outside during the summer with on the porch or something with somebody who owns a bug zapper? You ever had that? Put a hand in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. The big blue cylinder light that hangs on the porch. And in the summertime, you just sit there talking to each other, drinking some lemonade or some iced tea and listen to the every now and then. <laughs> dead bug. Another one, dead bug. You ever seen that? Just, just the bug zapper. Now think about this. Whatever's in that light, whatever's in that, the electricity that's in that bug zapper is greater than the bug. <laughs> think about it. What's in that bug zapper is greater than the bug. You've got to start looking at yourself as the zapper. I am the zapper and every little wicked, stupid thing sent by the devil to try to destroy this body and to destroy this purpose. And this life is getting ready to be zapped by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. Think about it. Why? Because there is something that zapper is connected to the power that is in your house. And when that bug touches that thing, the power that's on the inside of it is stronger than the life of the bug. And so the bug dies when it touches the zapper. If I was merely human, then I would not be that. But I've been filled with the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead and he quickens my mortal body. He literally gives life to my mortal body. And now greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That means I'm the zapper. Greater is he. The power's greater in me than the power outside of me. Catch it. The, this is the spirit of faith tonight. The power is greater in me than the power that's outside of me. So if some tiny little thing comes flying in, you know, thinking 
It's going to take me out. You just get ready for when you touch me. Because when you touch me, the thing that's in me is greater than you. And the zapper will zap. (laughs) The zapper will zap. That thing is, and here's what's crazy. That thing is an attraction to bugs. Bugs are attracted to that light. And I'm going to tell you something. Anytime the heat is turned up in the power of the Holy Ghost, anytime somebody begins to do something for God, let me just tell you something. It attracts the bugs. Anytime you start to step out in faith and do things for God, it attracts the bugs. Remember this, the devil has limited resources. He can't waste them on things that don't matter. He has limited resources. He's not a creator. The the demons that he has are the only ones he has. He can't make more. And so if you are working for God and actually accomplishing things for the kingdom, remember this. The devil's not going to send demons out to harass people that aren't even doing anything. Why would he waste his resources? The bugs are attracted to the light. But remember this, there's a zapper. I've got so much power on the inside of here that if the enemy even thought about touching me, he will, whatever he sends will die when it touches this body. Cancer cells must die when they touch this body. Every virus, every plague, every bacteria that is foreign to my body that would try to uh, attack or harass my body, it must die when it touches my body. It has to die. It has to die. Why? Because greater is he that's in me, 1 John 4, 4, than he that is in this world. Why is that the case? Let me ask you. So, well, let's go there because this is leading to exactly by the Holy Spirit what I wanted to tell you. First John chapter four. This is, this is, uh, let me just tell you, it's good to see Megan Myers on. Listen, we're praying. Those of us that have been praying for Pastor Dean and Terry, we're praying. We're standing in faith for Pastor Dean and Terry. No wicked things taking them out in Jesus name. We love them. We've been connected with them in covenant. We've ministered alongside of them. And I'm telling you, the devil cannot touch them in Jesus name. And so we continue to pray for Pastor Dean and Terry. Look at this, 1 John chapter 4. Listen to what the Bible says. Now, everybody loves to get excited about the end of the verse. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. But let me show you why we can say that. It's the beginning of the verse. Listen to this. Little children, you are from God. Stop. You see that? Little children... You are from God. Keegan Graham, good to have you on. It's good to see you. Glad you're on. First time joining the broadcast. Everybody welcome. Keegan, good to have you on the broadcast tonight. You are from God, period. Stop there. That is enough to shout about. That's enough to get excited about all by itself. All by itself. And so why is it it exciting? Because... If you're from God, see that. If I'm from God, that means I'm of God. Hallelujah. If I'm from God, I am of God, which means things change. When you read that you're a new creation, what are you? You are born of the spirit, the Bible says. I am born of the spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to be born of the spirit? You're born again. The first time you're born from your mother and father. The second time you're born from above. You are born from above. And so, as John is saying, you are 
from God or you are of God, which means good to have Kevin. Kevin's first time. It's good to have a lot of first timers. Glad you're here, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. If you're from God, you're of God. He's your origin and you are the product of his spirit. So I want you to think about this very, very interesting thought. I'm my father's son. I am my father's son. Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. is my father. Bonnie Shuttlesworth is my mother. And so I have their DNA in me. My son, Teddy III, came from me and his mother, Carolyn. He is of me. He is from me. Now, first of all, you wouldn't even have to, uh, I mean, you could look at my facial expressions, my, my mannerisms. You could tell who my father is. Same with my son. And so you, you catch those things. But remember this. Let's just say I was some kind of a deadbeat dad that left Carolyn and wouldn't pay child support. They couldn't find me. No private investigators could find me. I wouldn't send any money to take care of the kids. But they finally got a hold of me. And I denied it. And I just denied and denied. They're not my kids. That's not my son. That is not my son. I mean, I could sit around and deny it all day long. But all it would take is one blood test. One blood test. And once they did a blood test, you know what they would find? That my son is my son. You know why? They would find my DNA in his body. They would know that he is from me. And so because it is automatically transmitted, I want you to see this. My son will never have to sit around praying that he would be my son. Catch this point because it's very interesting. It's very important as well. My son never has to sit around praying to God that he's that he'll be truly my son. I've never had to pray that I will be my father's son. Oh, Father, I pray. Let me be Ted Shuttlesworth, senior son. Just let me be his son, Lord. No, I'm his son because I'm of him. My son's my son because he's of me. He doesn't have to pray to be like me or pray to be in my bloodline or pray to receive my inheritance. By law, he receives it. And by natural reproduction, he has it. The same thing is true when you come from God. If you are of God, you are now a child, not just a child. You are a son of God. Hallelujah. You are a son of God. The Bible says, let's go back all the way back to the gospel of John. John chapter one. And I want you to see with me uh, in the very first chapter. I love this. The Bible says this. Verse 11 of John 1, Jesus is is the he it's speaking of. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become sons of God. That's John 1.11 and John 1.12. You see that his own people did not receive him, but to the ones who did receive him, they believed on his name. He gave them the right to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. So today, if you're serving Christ, you are a son of God as much as Jesus is a son of God. That blows people's minds to hear that. Some people hear that and think it's heresy or they they think it's somehow disrespectful to who Jesus is. No, it's what he came to do, reproduce himself in the earth. He's the seed of heaven. He's the seed of heaven, and he reproduced a harvest, and now here we are. 
We are the harvest of the seed he planted. And he gave us power to become the sons of God. I want you to write it in the comments. I am a son of God. Every person watching by faith, whether you feel like you're one or not, I am a son of God. No question asked. No questions asked. I'm a son of God. Why? Because you were rebirthed. You're born of the spirit. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus and you are a son of God. And now we can say you are of God, not a daughter of God, Lisa. Don't write a daughter of God. There's no such thing as a daughter of God. And this is important. Don't allow this feminist movement to make you feel like you have to write, I'm a daughter of God. You're Every woman that's watching me is a son of God. And that's important. Every woman watching is a son of God. You're not a daughter of God. A son of God. Why? Because the son receives the inheritance. The son receives the inheritance. It's not a gender neutral position. In the same way that every man watching me is the bride of Christ. It's very, it's not gender neutral language. It is every, every woman is a son of God. Every man is the bride of Christ. It has nothing to do with whether you're a man or woman to be a son of God. It means you are the offspring of heaven and worthy to receive the inheritance of heaven. You're worthy to receive the inheritance you know, we, you're not going to, that's not something that God taught. You're not going to see uh, to as many as did receive him. They became the sons and daughters of God. No, the sons of God, the sons of God, we're both, whether you, it's interesting because people get into that and think, well, that's weird. I'm a girl and I'm a son or I'm a man. And I'm a, though I'm a man, I'm a bride. Yeah. It has nothing to do with a sex change has nothing to do with, it's not gender neutral language. It's important to understand it because watch this. You become part of the body of Christ. As a son of God, you have become part of the body of Christ. That's very, very powerful because if you've ever heard me say this, it's important to to hear me say it. Uh, If it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass you. If this virus can't harass Jesus, it can't harass you either. Why? I'm a, I'm part of the body. I'm part of the body of Christ. I mean, think of it this way. If you have, uh, uh, let's just say if you're looking at someone's physical body, if you have cancer in your lungs, doesn't your body have cancer? Yes. And guess what? Your whole body if, it, if it's not treated properly, your whole body will die of that cancer. Your whole, whether it metastasizes or not, your whole body will die of that cancer, even though it's in your lungs. You could have pancreatic cancer. You could have, you know, brain cancer. But, th- but guess what? Your whole body will die if that cancer doesn't leave you or if it's not removed or if it doesn't somehow in natural means, if you're not healed, the, your whole body will die. And so understand, you can't say, well, I have brain cancer, but it's not affecting my hands. Oh, it's affecting your whole body. Because if your whole body has it, then your whole body will die. Whether it metastasizes to the hands or not does not matter. The reason I say that is, is that when you come into the body of Christ, you are now one with Christ. You're one with him. 
for you to say that, that that you have to start to believe that Christ could be harassed by COVID-19. Do you think Jesus Christ can catch the coronavirus? Do you think Jesus Christ can be harassed by the virus? Or do you think he's greater than that sickness, that virus, that problem, that plague? Of course he's greater. And if he's greater and you're in his body and you've become one with him, then you are greater. You say, well, if that's, if that's the case, how come every Christian doesn't see those same things working in their life? Because everything we receive is received by faith. It's received by faith. It's not received because you have a knowledge or even automatically because you are part of the body. In, in eternal life, yes, you'll go to heaven because you got saved, but on the earth, you'll miss out on blessings if you don't have a faith in the mighty word of God and understand by revelation and connect. Think about this and connect to the spirit of faith. I must be connected to the spirit of faith. It is imparted. It is transferred into those and then they replicate it naturally. The reason that I can be so filled with a spirit of faith, and I'm not even 40 years old yet, is because I started getting into a spirit of faith at two weeks old. I've been in church almost every single night of my life since I was two weeks old. I might be not even 40 in the natural realm, but let me tell you something. I've been in more church services and revival meetings than most people will be in their lifetime, two or three lifetimes. And I've heard the word preached over and over and over and over and over and seen miracles over and over and over and received the word. I mean, and it builds. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've heard so much word before 40 years old that I'm convinced I cannot be destroyed. I cannot be destroyed by any attack of the enemy. I am literally a spiritual bug zapper. And you have to think like that. But you can't think like that if you're not connected to the spirit of faith. You can't think like that if you're not connected to the power of God through through spiritual leadership. It comes through those that are willing to preach and teach the message of faith and not pull back from the message. Don't pull back. Press in. And I'm, I'm listen, that's why I'm working and continuing to work to make sure that even if I'm not live here preaching to you, somehow you can receive uh, teaching and preaching from me somehow. I mean, even if I'm not live, even if you're not in one of my services, you'll find there's some way that you can get a part of this preaching and teaching, whether you go on your phone or tablet to the, to the miracle word app and listen to miracle word radio, or whether you buy my books online or buy eBooks from me or whether you go on Miracle Word University and and get courses and go through those teachings, whatever, whatever you may do. You may go on YouTube and binge watch every one of the videos I've ever put out. Whatever you do, I'm making sure that there's always an outlet for you to be connected to the spirit of faith and literally, continually, continually building your faith by the power of God. It is uh, DNA. It is naturally replicated in those that are connected to it. It's impartation. It's impartation. I'm going to pray for you, Taya. I'm going to pray for every person at the end of this broadcast, and I'm expecting miracles to take place. Yeah, Nathan, Pastor Nathan doesn't shrink back. He's a mighty man of God. Mighty man of God. Go with me to 2 Kings. Let me show you this. It replicates. Yeah, podcast is another way. I forgot about that. The podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. For, for, for those of you that are listening. 
2 Kings chapter 2. Now, this is an interesting uh, chapter because this is a great, and I'm, I'm get, this is all going to be in the book that's getting ready to come out uh, further, faster. And I'm, I'm working on it to this day and I'm getting ready to release it. But uh, there's stuff that I'm putting into it that the power of God showed me. This is one of the things that's going to be in it. This thought of the, the natural replication of the spirit of God in a man to another man, it's transferred, it's handed down, it is imparted. And it's important that we get this. Second Kings chapter two, we're looking at the transition between Elijah and Elisha. Thank you, Kemba. That's kind of you to say. Between Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's understudy. He was his assistant. Uh, he was his servant. And Elijah was getting ready to be taken into heaven. And Elisha wanted to take over where, in fact, not only wanted to, God instructed Elijah to lay hands on Elisha and uh, anoint him to be his replacement. And uh, I want you to see this. Second Kings chapter two, three times Elijah tests Elisha's spirit and he tests his faithfulness and he tests his dedication. And he says, well, I'm getting ready to go to this next city. You just stay here and listen to Elisha's, uh, listen to Elisha's reply every single time. By the way, let's read verses. This is verse six. Then Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. So they went together. This happened three times. And Elijah's testing him. You know what he's testing him to see? Is he really hungry to stay with me? It, does he really have the desire to keep going? Is he really moving forward? Or is this something that is just, you know, going to be a part-time thing for him? Is this just something he's just kind of, no. And Elisha said, as you live and as the Lord God lives, I refuse to leave you. I will not leave you. It's a test. And so then finally, the Bible says they got to the place where they crossed over uh, the Jordan River. And then in verse nine, Elijah says to Elisha, so ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And they went on and talked. And behold, chariots of fire and the horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Look at this. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now, here is the test. Here is the test. Because the last miracle of Elijah's ministry was he took his cloak and struck the water of the Jordan River and the waters parted for them and they walked across on dry ground. That was the last miracle of Elijah's ministry. Now it's a test. Elijah's gone. Elisha's got the cloak. He asked for a double portion. Now it gets down to the place. Did you receive what you wanted? Verse 14, then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water 
saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted from one side to the other, and Elisha went over. Now watch this. Look at verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. I want you to see something here. That is faithfulness to be connected to a man, a spirit of faith, it caused that DNA to replicate naturally in Elisha. He didn't have to fast for 40 days or go out and go on some pilgrimage before he could then take over uh, what Elijah had transferred or passed down to him. Just his faithfulness to stay connected to the spirit of faith, stay connected in service to what God was doing, to stay in his purpose, that connection Notice what he cried out to him as he was leaving. My father, my father. Do you see that? Elijah was his spiritual father. Wasn't his natural father. We know who Elisha's natural father was. He was a wealthy landowner and owned farms that Elisha was working in when Elijah came to get him. Elijah wasn't his natural father. It was his spiritual father. And as he was leaving, Elisha cried out, my father, my father crying out, knowing that's my spiritual mentor. That's my leader. He was connected to him. He was faithful to him. He served him. And what happened? The virtue of Elijah, the anointing of Elijah, the faith of Elijah replicated naturally in Elisha. It's how it works. It's what happened between Moses and Joshua. The Bible says in the end of Deuteronomy that Moses laid his hands on Joshua And the Bible says, and supernatural wisdom came into Joshua and all the people of Israel in the wilderness shifted their allegiance and loyalty from Moses to Joshua. That's a miracle. If you believe it's the lesser number of 3 million people, 2 to 3 million people in the wilderness that were were going for 40 years, or if you believe it's the bigger number, 4 to 6 million people, however many you believe there were, it's a miracle that they all shifted their loyalty from Moses to Joshua. You can't even get a pastor to take over a new church that has 300 people and hope that all 300 will accept the new pastor that came in. Literally, there's always going to be like 40 people that are like, well, I don't like the leadership style of the new pastor. And none of that happened, the Bible says. That when the anointing was imparted into Joshua, all the people of Israel shifted their allegiance to Joshua and followed after him into the promised land. It was impartation. The anointing of Elijah, uh, the anointing of Moses replicated naturally in Joshua. The anointing of Elijah replicated naturally in Elisha. The anointing of Jesus replicated naturally in the apostles. The anointing of Paul replicated naturally in Timothy and in Titus and in Philemon and in Onesimus. Understand it. It is impartation, the spirit of faith, the DNA of faith. That's why I'm thankful that you're sticking around for all these broadcasts, because what you're receiving here is an injection of supernatural faith from the word of God that's going to take you, like like Paul said to the Ephesian elders, it's not only going to strengthen you, but it's going to allow you to take hold of your inheritance and receive what God said is yours. So I had you turn with me to, uh, and I'll, I'll finish here before I pray for you tonight. Second Timothy, 
2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see it with me because it's so important. So, so important. You know what? Just put in the comments, I'm anointed. I am anointed. I want you to write it. I am anointed. There's another anointed man, Pastor Danny Haas. Love you. Put it in the comments. I am anointed. I am anointed. Because you are. You are. And you're not called to be a victim. You're not called to be afraid. You're not called to be panicked. You're not called to be depressed. You're not called to be sick. You are called to overcome. Overcome. So write it and don't be ashamed to say it. I am anointed. That's right. Pop it in the comments. I am anointed by the power of God. Hallelujah. I am anointed. That's right. And so here, Paul writes to Timothy. This is the last letter Paul ever wrote from Rome. Second letter to Timothy. And uh, listen to this. He said, um, verse 5, 2 Timothy 1.5. Keep writing it. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm an- That's exactly right. You are anointed. Verse 5 of 2 Timothy 1. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, now notice this, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So stop there. Paul Paul just told Timothy, you received spiritual gifts. Because if you look at this in the Greek language, same thing that you'll read in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the the, uh, root word charis, or we get charisma, it's, it's talking about spiritual uh, gifting. Same thing he said in Romans 1, 11, I long to be with you that I may impart a spiritual gift. Charis or charisma. Same word. It's what he's talking about. Spiritual gifts being imparted. He said the same to Timothy. He said, in you is a spiritual gift that was put there, imparted to you through the laying on of my hands. Now stir it up, fan it into flames and begin to use it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's right. That is what the Bible's telling us here. And obviously, Timothy was dealing with something that was trying to cause him to be timid or fearful. And Paul said, stir up your gift because you're not called to be timid. You're not called to be fearful. So stir up the gift that came into you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul is actually, this is the very same type of situation that we're dealing with here today amidst this uh, coronavirus pandemic that's that's trying to sweep through the world. And, uh, you know, I I personally don't believe it's as bad as they say, but, you know, that's that's just me. And and so as as they're giving all this uh, detail on the news, as people are getting more and more afraid, I can't even go to the gym for the next two weeks because they've closed my gym down. All this stuff that's supposedly happening that's so bad, so horrible, and all of the things that are supposed to be, you know, freaking us out. We're supposed to be literally bunkered down like we're in the midst of the zombie apocalypse. And Paul was literally, Paul was talking to Timothy in a time where Timothy was tempted to be afraid. And he said, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you that came through the laying on of my hands because God has not given us 
a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You can stay in the DNA of faith because you're connected to those that have the spirit of faith. And when you stay connected to those that have the spirit of faith, it replicates naturally. It replicate just like your real DNA replicates naturally, spiritual DNA replicates naturally. In the same way it did for Moses and Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, disciples, Paul, Timothy. You just go down the list. It replicates naturally because it's imparted into your spirit. It's imparted the DNA of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And I want you to hear something with me tonight. This is an important thought, is that not only is the greater one living on the inside of you, but when words come to you like this tonight, as I'm pushing the word into you, preaching the word, teaching the word into you, what is happening is the same thing that happened to Ezekiel. If you go to the Old Testament, I love this, Ezekiel chapter two, this is the call of Ezekiel. And he said this, look at chapter two and verses one and two. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And so the word can come into you, like Paul said to the Ephesian elders, and it will set you on your feet. The word of God will literally set you upon your feet. It will establish you. It will strengthen you. It'll build you up and it'll give you your inheritance in the saints. And so tonight I'm praying for every person that's watching. I'm praying for you wherever you're watching from. Maybe it's a replay. Maybe you're on the podcast. Doesn't matter. I'm praying for you now in Jesus' mighty name. I take authority over fear in Jesus' name. I take authority over panic. I take authority in the mighty name of Jesus Christ over sickness and disease. Lord, for those that have written in with uh, prayer requests, Taya, others, Pastor Dean and Terry, those that are saying that the enemy is attacking their body, I take authority over sickness and disease in the mighty name of Jesus. I lose healing virtue and healing power to God's people tonight in Jesus' name. Be made whole by the power of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I send the anointing through this, whatever device you're watching on, phone, camera, whatever you've got nowadays, iPad, laptop, desktop, television, let the anointing come through that device as it did for that girl in Pennsylvania that was born with that disease. And she said, as I watched it on my phone, I felt the anointing come into my body and make me whole. Let the same anointing come upon them tonight, Lord and make them whole. I pray for quick turnarounds. I pray for quick healing. I pray for quick miracles, quick testimonies. Your word moves swiftly, Lord. Touch your people in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, that healing belongs to us. Joy belongs to us. Peace belongs to us. Stir them up tonight by the Spirit in Jesus' name. Get them excited to do what you've called them to do. Let our hearts get on fire for the things of God. We thank you, Lord, and we give you glory and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Tyler said, radio, gramophone, whatever you're watching on tonight. (laughs) Hallelujah. Cannon string, whatever it is, however you're listening to the broadcast. Exactly. Receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive it by the power of God. Let this be the greatest day of your life.
I pray that you have rest tonight. I pray you rest so well, peace of God come upon you, that you'll sleep like a baby, that you'll sleep through the night, won't be woken up with distress. Nothing will come against you in Jesus' name. Nothing will come against you in the mighty name of Jesus. That's it, Susan. Healing is the children's bread. You don't have to beg for it. It's your inheritance as a child of God. Healing belongs to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Healing belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. I'm believing in this time where they're telling us that we're, we're uh, quote unquote, uh, quarantined, we're locked down, social distancing. I believe that you're gonna have financial miracles take place in Jesus' name, financial miracles. And so I'm gonna encourage you right now, kickstart that. Kickstart it by sowing a seed. Sow a seed by the power of God tonight. As you sow a seed, what takes place? First of all, this is a covenant that God himself established with his people. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There are harvests waiting on you. I've been encouraged because even during this time where it seems like everybody's been, well, it seems like to me that everybody's locked down. I've been encouraged. You know why? Because people have been standing up in faith and sowing. You know what that shows me? People aren't afraid. People are not afraid. People are not standing in fear financially. God's taking care of you. And so I've been looking at this and people daily have been sowing seeds by faith. You know why? They know that the government's not their source. They know their job's not their source, that this economy is not uh, not their source. God is your source. And so I want to encourage you to be just like those that are here watching with you. Sow a seed by faith. You're welcome, Stephanie. God bless you. That's what we're standing for, Candace. Violent increase and expedited favor. We love our Michigan family. We, lo- we love our Lakeside family, our Gateway family. We love you. We appreciate you. And so take a step of faith. What what is it? And that's a great prayer. Vilma said on Facebook, Lord, give me seed to sow. God answers that prayer. You know why? Because it's scriptural. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. When God knows you have a giving and a sowing heart, he releases seed into your hand and he'll make sure that you are blessed because he always He always blesses those that obey his word. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, those that are sowing seeds. You can put hashtag donate in the comments section, or as you see on the screen, you can go to miracleword.com and you can sow a seed there or partner with us there at the website. Uh, You can give by PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. You can even sow a seed by mailing a check. And if you need the address, uh, then it's at the footer of every page on our website, miracleword.com. And you can sow a seed by sending a check. Thank you, Karen. Karen, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Lisa. Karen, I'm so proud of you as you're pressing into the things of God. Thank you, Nomi. Thank, uh, Karen, as you're pressing in, I'm thanking God with you as you're increasing. And you're going to continue to increase, Karen. You're going to continue to be blessed, praying for total healing for your body. God's going to touch you, Karen. This can be the best year you've ever had. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for every every person that's sowing seeds. I'm wondering, Julie, if it'll... You can't do it on YouTube, unfortunately, Julie. Hashtag donate only works on Periscope 
and on uh, Facebook. So, and Karen, it doesn't work on, on YouTube. If you're on YouTube and you'd like to sow a seed, go to miracleword.com or use Cash App or use Venmo, but you can't do hashtag donate on YouTube. They don't allow it. And uh, praise God, Betty. What a great testimony. A 60-pound item got 60 quid off of her eBay shop. It's been on sale for over six months. That's excellent. God's blessed you. Um, no, Margarita, it doesn't work that it doesn't work that way because I didn't set up the, the word. They the company sets up the word. So you have to actually write hashtag donate. You can't write hashtag seed. It because it won't it won't pull up the link for you to give. So you have you have to use hashtag donate. That's how it works. But thank you for sewing. Amen. Thank you, Keegan. Wow. First time watcher and sower. Thank you. Thanks for sowing a seed, Keegan. The link just popped up for you to click and complete it. I appreciate you very much. Listen, to every person that is sowing uh, seed, one of the things we want to do for you this month is uh, every person that's giving $85 or more throughout the whole month, uh, we're going to send you this awesome book by... A.A. Allen, who was a powerful man of God, a tent revivalist, mighty evangelist, saw signs, wonders, and miracles. This book, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power, was what Jesus showed him that took him into uh, miracle ministry. We're going to send it to you as our gift to you. And so just to say thank you, Margarita did it through Cash App. I'm sure um, if you got MW Give, I'm sure it did. The information's on the screen. Thank you guys for doing that. Thanks for standing in faith. God is using you to be a blessing to your generation. And it's important to understand as you stay faithful, God's going to open doors for you. He's going to continue to bless your family and he's going to continue to take you places you could have never gotten on your own. Let me just say this for everybody that's sowing a thousand dollars or more this month, this beautiful tool, this, this, this is a life application study Bible in the New Living Translation in genuine leather. This has become one of the greatest tools recently that we've been sending people so many notes. It's the best-selling study Bible on the market. This thing, and I can see why, because it is full of excellent tools as you study the Word. And so along with that book by Brother Allen, for everybody that's sewing $1,000 or more, and we've got new ones coming because people have been sewing, so we had to order a whole new stock of these. We're going to send this Bible. I'm going to sign it to you and your family, and uh, it's going to be our thank you to you, those of you that are sewing $1,000 or more this month. We love you. We appreciate you. Any questions on what I taught tonight uh, before we go? I'm going to be coming back, obviously, in the morning at 10.30 a.m., and if you guys have not um, subscribed on YouTube, please subscribe. Really appreciate it if you would. But are there any questions as people are sewing? and uh, giving their offerings. Thank you for sewing. I'm thinking about one of these nights plugging up my keyboard and singing and playing a little bit for you guys and uh, just worshiping the Lord with you. I th I'm thinking about doing that. Just thinking about the best way to do it. I'm believing with you, Luenda. Can we do a favor? Can you do me a favor, I should say? In just a moment. I want us to join our faith together. And then Karen, I'll answer your question. 
I want us to join our faith together and pray for my friend, Pastor Dean Myers, who is in the hospital right now in Ohio, and the devil has attacked his body. And uh, he's in the ICU. And today he was having issues breathing, but then his daughter-in-law was on tonight and said, gave us a good report that the nurses are saying that uh, he's having better breathing than he did before. Can we pray for his total healing and that he'd be delivered and out of that hospital? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we join our faith together as one. Your word declares one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. And so, Lord, tonight we join our faith together for our friend and fellow laborer, Pastor Dean, and his wife, Terry, and the family there in Ohio. We lift them up now and we loose the healing virtue of God into their body. Lord, where he is right now in that hospital room, that his own family can't even come back and see him, that he's pro- whether he's feeling all alone by himself, isolated, Lord, give him peace and joy as he's there and fill him with healing virtue. Drive every attack out of his body, drive it out of his lungs in Jesus' name, and let him be completely healed. I pray that his pancreas would receive a touch, his blood cells. I pray, Lord, for the blood pressure, every aspect. Touch his body tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let him be made whole quickly. Give him a testimony, and we'll give you all the praise, Lord. We'll give you all the glory. You're the only one that can do these things. We love you, and we thank you, Lord, for your servant, Pastor Dean, and his wife, Terry. Touch them tonight, and we give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe it's done, and you agree that Pastor Dean and Terry are touched by God, throw some hands in the comments section, and somebody shout amen. Even if you're wherever you are, just shout amen. Shout amen. Is it normal to go from faith to fear as you grow? I just had a panic attack. It's the devil not wanting you to increase in your faith walk with God. And one of the reasons I'm doing these broadcasts, Karen, is because it's important for us to learn how to take, I feel like sitting back up, how to take our authority in God over the enemy and stand in faith and overcome. And you will do that by the power of the Holy Ghost, Karen. You will do that. And so... I take authority over that spirit of fear that tries to attack you, Karen, commanded to loose you and let you go in Jesus' mighty name and to walk in faith from this day forward. Stay connected. Stay connected. Keegan, we're going to pray for you and your fiance. Yes. Yes. No no financial struggle will touch you in Jesus' name by the power of God. We're going to get that keyboard out, Ted. Don't worry. Look what the Lord has done. I love it. Letty, I'm going to be live every day at seven, Saturday, Sunday, every day. There won't be a day until the Lord releases me. There's not going to be a day that I'm not live at seven o'clock. And so Monday through Friday, I'm live at 1030 in the morning. I won't be live in the morning on Saturday and Sunday, but every single night, every single night, I will be live doing these spirit of faith sessions at 7 p.m. Eastern time every single night. So don't worry. I'll be right back here every night doing these. And uh, the only thing that will change is that I won't be live uh, on Saturday and Sunday in the morning. But every night, you're going to see me right here. Amen. Thank you, Luenda, for joining your faith. Thank you for, for praying for Pastor Dean. 
He's a wonderful man. He really is. He's blessed me. And I love him and his whole family. I love him and I love his I love his entire family. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I'm seeing all the amens. That's it. Touch the nurse. Luenda works in the hospital. Touch the nurses and the doctors too, in Jesus' name. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining with me. I appreciate it. It is done. We call it done in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Frank. It is done. There's a question. Juan said, I saw someone using Proverbs. Somebody was using, and he's on, um, um, he's, he's uh, on YouTube and he's asking the question, I saw someone using Proverbs 22.3 as a verse to justify why to stay at home and to avoid going out. Could you help us interpret this verse? Let's read, and as you know, in Proverbs, as you go down, the whole chapter is not necessarily connected. These are literal Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favors better than silver or gold. Verse 2, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Verse 3, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So that's just literally a proverb. That's not a command. It's a. You could almost look at it as a... Um, you could almost look at it, Juan, as a uh, an observation that's inspired by the Holy Spirit that, uh, you know, for example, if you were to if you were to look outside and see actual danger, like if you were to look outside and see that, for example, a lion had gotten loose from the zoo and was now standing in your front yard. And you disregarded it and just said, you know what? I'm going to go hang out in the yard anyway, you know, even though there's a lion out there. Well, that that would be foolishness because you see danger and you go out not using wisdom and stand right in front of it. The difference is that I and you, you and I have been redeemed from sickness and disease by the blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed from sickness and disease. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, you know, is it wisdom to disregard the redemption of Christ and say that it's not powerful enough to keep us free? And then to, you know, to to go around being in fear. I dealt with this on the very first, if you go to YouTube and if you go to what I'm calling session zero, because it was a daytime session, uh, it's spirit of faith session zero, very first in the playlist, I deal with the spirit of fear. Because really what people are saying, what a lot of people are calling wisdom is just a spirit of fear. It's not godly wisdom. It's just a spirit of fear. And so am I going to be afraid? Do you think I'm going to, literally now they're saying, you know, be very careful when you go to the grocery store now. Like, do you honestly think that I'm going to go out in public? I told you the other day what I did. I went to the, I went to the gym, laid on the bench, touched all the stuff. I didn't have surgical gloves on, I rubber gloves and a face mask. You know, I was out just like I normally would be doing my normal thing, normal routine. You think I'm going to go out and uh, go to the, no, I can't go to the grocery store. I can't go out. That's me saying I can't do what I normally would do because I'm afraid I might catch the virus. 
I already explained to you tonight, I cannot catch the virus. I cannot, will not. Faith makes it so. Can't catch it. So I'm not going to limit where I go. I'm not going to stop going to the grocery store, stop going to Walmart, stop going to Publix. If the gym's open, I'm going. I don't care. The only reason I haven't gone is because they won't open it. When it was open, I went, laid down, touched everything, went around with a bunch of other sweaty strangers. Doesn't matter to me. Because I'm not going to make decisions based on other people's fear. And so I wouldn't look at that verse and use it uh, as the basis for uh, not going out. When you know you have a healing covenant with Christ, I mean, Jesus was willing to minister to lepers. Was he somehow not wise because he got around lepers? I mean, think about this. I taught on this multiple times already. Was Jesus unwise because he went around lepers that were extremely contagious? First of all, when we go out, we don't even know if we are around anybody that has uh, the coronavirus. We don't even know if we are. We're just guessing maybe someone does. Here's a story where Jesus knew these men were lepers knew they were and didn't run, didn't run from them, didn't condemn them and didn't command that they would be stoned for their disobedience to the law of Moses. He just healed them. Notice he didn't tell his disciples, quick, let's get out quickly, quickly, move, move, move. They are contagious. No, didn't freak out. Neither did the disciples did not freak out. So I'm supposed to be freaked out by sickness and disease. I'm not either. You believe I've been saying it over and over and over. I'm going to say it again. Either my hands heal the sick or they catch and spread diseases. Can't be both. It can't be both. Because if, like I preached tonight, if the spirit of God is on the inside of you, watching over you and using you to touch others, that anointing destroys sickness and disease. So how can I lay my hands on a sick person and destroy sickness? And then if COVID-19 touches my hand, I catch sickness. Both can't be true. One or the other must be true. One or the other must be true. My hands heal. Your hands heal in the mighty name of Jesus. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for hanging uh, with me tonight. I'm telling you, stay faithful on these because God's going to use these broadcasts to stir your faith to another level. Very much so. Very much so. And I can t- I know you. I can tell by the comments. I can tell by those of you that are here hanging. It's already been doing that. People are stirred up and you should be. This is the best time to be alive. Best time to be alive that ever existed. I love you guys so much. And uh, you'll see me again tomorrow morning at 1030 a.m. Appreciate you. Thank you to everybody that sowed a seed. Uh, I love you and appreciate you. We pray for you. Listen, on the way out tonight, enjoy one of the greatest preachers of the our lifetime or the last, Pastor Dr. S.M. Lockridge, as he preaches to us. That's my king. I love you. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his solar supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. 
Well, well, he's enduring this fall. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! 
he always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory is all his thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.